uh, JR, President Biden came to visit you. Yes, he did. In fact, I nearly shook his hand. Really? Yeah. So, uh, uh, no. yeah. Okay. Well, no, you actually, you weren't there that day. You told me. No, no, no. Uh, I, I was there the day before and, um, we had hangar inspection. So I was there preparing my hangar for its inspection and the airport manager rolled up on me and he goes, Hey, uh, the president's coming down tomorrow. Don't be here. Don't come on to the airport. The airport's going to be closed. Go. It, it, he was very nice about it, but basically go away. Go and, away, JR, uh, or from, go away, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically everyone. And, and, you know, snipers on the roof and out in the in the fields and whatnot. And I thought to myself, this is a great opportunity to be somewhere else. So this is this is we're <laughs> so, talking about your home airport of Watsonville, California, right? Yeah, this is this was a real uh, this was a real honor. Um, well, <laughs> I guess for all the uh, for all the wrong reasons. Um, so um, so as you, Jack, you know, I I grew up and I went to fly in Palo Alto, which is right next to Moffett Field. And when the president comes to town, he almost exclusively lands at Moffett because it's used to be a naval air station. Now it's a, a federal air, air station, long, ten, nice ten thousand foot runways. And they brought a pair of Ospreys and they brought him over to Watsonville to come inspect the. Um, the damage from the recent rains and and floods we have so he was here um exercising that that um, activity Mm -hmm. so that's what that's one of the parts of this that i find pretty interesting is that they didn't bring out one of the limo choppers they they flew him from from uh uh uh, uh, palo alto over to watsonville in an osprey which is the tilt rotor right this is like yeah i I don't know i don't i don't know that i'd ever heard of a tilt rotor being i guess it would be a marine one these are marine aircraft i believe we we checked on this you sent me a picture i want to see what the i sent you a picture but i never i never got i know i was told it was marine one but i I, i've always thought marine one is the big helicopter so i don't know whichever aircraft operated by the marine corps that has the president on it I guess yeah. I guess that's Marine One. Maybe. Jeb, if your phone is nearby, I just texted you the picture that he texted me. Okay. Um, so, uh, but uh, that's that's what and, that and well, and let me let me tell you though. Talk about consummate professionals. Uh, they came out the day before the day I was there, and they rehearsed everything. Oh, they the out the Ospreys flew over, and they came in. They practiced landing and the whole thing. And I think they these guys these guys were serious and it was no joke what they they were here to do a job and they they were really really good and professional about it i'm I'm not i was really impressed yeah i'm not surprised i mean i've told stories so you joked about snipers on the roof i'd be surprised if there were snipers on the roof but i wouldn't be surprised do not be surprised well okay maybe not but i'm not at all surprised that there's serious you know armed guards in the area you know um i've told the story about the uh, that that was related to me about back in the days when president bush used to come up to kennebunkport um and he would land at sanford which was my home airport for a while and i guess technically still is and uh and they would the locals would tell stories about when the president was when air force one was coming to sanford uh about an hour in advance a bunch of black hawk help Black Hawk helicopters would swoop in and land on the far side of the field. So Sanford is kind of like built up on one half of the of the perimeter and not built up. It's kind of woods on the far on the other half of the perimeter. And these Blackhawks would land over on the far side of the airport and what appeared to be armed soldiers would jump out of these Blackhawks and run into the woods and the Blackhawks would take off and disappear. And then 
president would arrive and these things would happen and however the president would leave the airport headed for Kennebunkport. Um, and then a little bit later on, the Blackhawks would return and the, the soldiers would come out of the woods, climb into the Blackhawks and, and, and uh, they'd fly away again. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm not surprised, uh, JR, that there was a thing. I know you weren't there. You hear any stories like yeah. that about Watsonville? Or? Uh, well, you know, I mean, they... They had really rehearsed it. I, I, that's, that, I think that's the, the takeaway I would say, <clears throat> is that the Secret Service had come and the police had come, and, and they, they really knew what, envi- what the environment was. Um, and uh, for, for a couple of days, I guess maybe two or three days before the, uh, the president actually came. So mm-hmm. it, was, it, was just, it was just to see a really, really professional organization execute um, a procedure um, was I thought I thought was an interesting an interesting thing to do and now, know, did they, they really and and did they come to that main ramp there where the Mexican restaurant used to be or did they let, yep. so that's yep. that's where they yep. came in and then I presume like limos or something came out and picked up the president and... yeah they I'm sure they put him in put him in the car and yeah. and away he went and and I don't I don't really know I guess he was I, I don't know all the details I, as I said I wasn't here so um, but you know it was it was it was. It was a. I think that it was important from a community perspective to see that you know that 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 these um, these disasters um, that that you know someone was caring for them and and you know there was a lot of there was a lot of people that were displaced and, and impacted by the rains and the and the storms and you, and you may or may not know we've been suffering for droughts for years. Yes, no, um, so I, I'm you know, aware. It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I mean, how I hope you and your family are okay from all this rain and flooding and and whatnot. Well, we 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 live at the top of the hill, so so we, we we're doing fine. Well, the problem is um, that in those it, there are lots of places in California where the top of the hill can very quickly become the bottom of the hill. Um, so well, uh, that that's that's true. I also live in a very strange house that's made out of 575 yards of concrete that have four foot footings. Um, so if my if my house goes, there's a much larger problem. I see. Okay. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that you guys did did okay. And I and I and you know yeah. thoughts go out to everybody out well, in that area because the pictures. Th- th- thank sound you for asking. Pretty crazy. Anyways, as far as the president's concerned, um, I'm I'm pleased to see that you did your part by by getting scarce and uh, yeah, um, good deal. <laughs> good deal all right well on that note welcome folks to uncontrolled airspace the general aviation podcast i'm jack hodgson coming to you from uh, the uh, beautiful downtown dover new hampshire where it's uh, kind of you know winter it's still a very light winter it's a very relatively uh, mild winter so far um although we got like in the past week we've gotten a total of like a 12 inches of snow which jeb is going to be horrified mm. both you guys are probably going to be somewhat semi horrified by but uh that's kind of you know not that big a deal especially since it arrived in about three different storms and there was rain involved too so it kind of it's snow and then it would wash away and snow and wash away but anyways um the but the uh the the cochico river is definitely roaring right now with all uh-huh. the all the precipitation that's happened i missed the intro to that <clears throat> excuse me um how many inches do you say you have a, a total of 12 inches over three storms over about a week and a half and you so. still have snow on the ground now oh yeah oh yeah I know you think that's – yes, Jeb, most of the winter we usually have snow on the ground, um, you know, so uh, it's not that, that big a deal. But uh, yeah. Well, unlike Jeb, I had to put a long pants on today. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, had, uh, I had sweats on earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> JR, is there snow on the hilltops out there? Sometimes there is. I, I, haven't, 
I haven't. No, it's been it's been really warm. Um, it was a little cold this morning. I was told ah, there's a little frost on the airplanes. Don't uh, don't come out too early. And I rolled over, went back to sleep. Um, but uh, no, no, we're we're doing fine. It's it's I don't know. It must be in the 60s or the 70s today. I got you know short, short sleeves on, and I'm not cold. And this is beautiful sunny day in California from the presidentially enriched airport here at Watsonville. So. <laughs> that is one of my two good friends who are joining me here in the virtual hangar. That's Gr Wormkessel coming to us from yeah. uh, somewhere near Santa Cruz, California. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, where, are, where are, are you at home today? You were you were at the airport no, last I'm time at, we did this. I'm at the airport. No, I'm still I'm at the airport. I I, I like I like the airport because I got medium good internet, and my uh, my family isn't making a bunch of noise, and I get to be at an airport and talk about aviation. So I mean, is there anything better in life? No, or? really, that's right. very cool. Very cool. Uh, everything else is going good in your world. We're going to talk about a little incident, a little more than an incident. It could have been really really bad, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Otherwise, how are things in your world? Um, it's been it's been an exciting opportunity. This year has started out with a bang, and it's been it's been like going down the American River on a rubber raft. <laughs> okay, life is an adventure, huh? Okay, <laughs> it, it sure is. It's the journey. It's the journey, not the destination. And also here in a virtual hangar is uh, my other good friend, some from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, is Jeb Burnside. Hi, Jeb. How you doing? I'm all right. How's the snow down there in Florida? Uh, well, yeah, I, was, I was thinking about that when y'all were talking in the mountaintops here. We really don't have that much snow. Yeah, is that because there's no mountaintops? No, well, you, you know, know it could be. It actually could be because I look around, you know, I, I see no mountains with snow on them. So I mean, we got that. I, I disagree. I was in Orlando the other day and I saw a mountain with snow on it. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, are you sure it was there was, snow and we're not white but, paint? There was there was a there was a wet one too until they turned the water off. Yeah, ah, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Be careful. You ask a Floridian, and there's definitely they may may or may not call them mountains. They call them highlands for sure. I saw I was watching YouTube video just recently about the about the 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 summits of Florida, and uh, apparently for a long time they thought that the, that there was a spot near Orlando that was the high ground, um, and uh, years <laughs> la- years later, I, I, I think that's because Walt Walt digged out a a pond. They made a second story on one yeah, of the maybe. one of the pieces of land um, but technically speaking the highest elevation in florida is someplace up near uh, near tallahassee area i believe yeah, up near alabama it's like almost on the alabama state yeah line. well that's yeah. one of the things as we're talking about this is a youtube video is that, is that although this is the highest elevation terrain in florida it's actually sort of the foothills of a higher peak that summits in alabama so it doesn't even completely count as a florida hilltop but uh, anyways okay well, how as, is I, as i've as i've expre- expressed maybe to, uh, certainly that jack before but maybe the jr also uh but never to our good listeners uh there are a couple of streets here in sarasota yes that have the word ridge in their name yeah. and it just annoys the hell out of me because I know. there's not a ridge within 200 miles of here you know yep so yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I have the same thing. People keep people come, come from all over the country and tell me about the Bay Area, and I'm like, I've come from the Bay Area. That we have a bay in the Bay Area. Right. You do not. Right. It is not the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah, different Bay Area. Anyways, different Bay Area. What's going on here? Um, so uh, we had a kind of historic failure of the NOTAM system um, recently. What? The, oh, oh boy, howdy. Yeah, um, I don't know, Jeb. Can you tell? Do you, are you kind of up to speed on well, kinda, what, what kind of sort of? The um, the upshot of it is is that the some contractors um, who supposedly had you know access and, and uh, reason to be in the the NOTAM system to begin with 
Um, we're doing some kind of, of upgrades or, I don't know, the operating system or the database itself or whatever. In the process of which, um, files got scrambled. Um, the file on the backup and the file on the main system, and I don't know which files these were, got corrupted somehow. Mm-hmm. But and, now, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, but before we get too deep into what might, may or may not have happened, what caused it, what was what was the effect? What were the symptoms that we saw on that, that I guess it was a morning or afternoon? Well, or... the symptoms are, are unclear because um, what, what I understand from some additional reading and research is that the system just got corrupted. That, that, that corrupted file... But so, um, so people were unable to get NOTAM reports? It's not, in, it's not in, clear. That, I, I think some of the NOTAM system was working, but not all of it. And I it see. was kind of hard to tell, at least from the 30,000-foot level, what was and was not working. And that, of course, generates a, a safety of flight problem. Right, um, right. So after they... And this was kind of overnight, early in the morning kind of thing. And they finally got to the point where, hey, you know, it's starting to get to, you know, daylight. <laughs> on the East Coast in North America, and we kind of sort of need to do something about this. <laughs> so they just um, plug, unplugged the whole system to reboot it. Right. Bas- basically. Okay. Yeah. In the process of which, someone at the air traffic control, ATC, SCC, systems control, I don't know, um, decided, hey, you know, since no one can get notams, we should just maybe, you know, like ground everything. Yeah, and, and just, uh, yeah. it's just yeah, just just for a few hours, you know, not not a big deal. It's it's just a weekday, and and everybody the, the the entire national system. Yeah, just the entire national airspace system. Um, and they got all this, they got the file, fixed the file, uncorrupted the file, got a uh, you know third or fourth le- uh, level backup of the file, put it on the system, rebooted it, everything's fine. That took th- three or four hours. And boom, everything was back in, in uh, uh, where yeah. it should be. Of course, yeah. now that that displaced a lot of crews. It displaced a lot of airplanes. It displaced a lot of passengers, of course, and really annoyed pretty much, uh, uh, you know, ten million people who were trying to fly that morning. Right? Did either now, Jr. Now, yeah, now, go ahead. Jeff. My my question. Yeah. And we, you and you and Amy and I had a little off off. Uh, we did. I was going to bring this up. Yeah. yeah what do we do? What do we talk about? A little chat on the side, and it's like. Okay, so the NOTAM system is messed up, but I pulled up a, a four-flight uh, briefing, and specifically just pulled up NOTAMs for Sarasota, mm-hmm. and they were more or less current. There was no advisory telling me that these were bogus NOTAMs. So how do we know that, how, how did we know, I should say, that the system was uh, down, that we shouldn't have been flying uh, without a notum telling us that I know. we shouldn't be Yeah, flying. right, really. Well, yeah. So um, no, I, I, I'm so not. this is a good question. No, And we did talk about this. Here's the, and, and let me rephrase the question, what Jeb just asked, and let me, let me ask it maybe a little slightly differently, is that um, is if you can't get no, – well, see, now, JR – I mean, excuse me, Jeb makes a good point. You may not know that you're not getting notums, all right? Right, right. All right, but it was so in the news, all right? It was so in the news that just about anybody who was paying attention to anything would know that that the NOTAM system was messed up. So that begs the question, if you know the NOTAM system is not working properly, but you otherwise get as complete a briefing as you possibly can, can you legally fly? I think the the question also um, needs a qualifier, and that happens to be 
um, where are you flying? What are you doing? What's your mission? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I think from the FAA's perspective, that you know you're responsible for knowing all the NOTAMs, and you know, you know what you could have done is you could have called the weather brief and gotten a, a weather brief, which you're also supposed to do, at which time they would have notified you that the system was down. Really? And uh, no, yeah. if you call flight service, I agree. But yeah. it's not at well, all, and you're, you're it's not at all you're clear to, to me call, that a four flight briefing would do the same thing. But, yeah. but Jeb, you made a really good point, I thought, in our conversation with Amy, is that you said, and I don't know whether you actually found the exact wording, but this wording rings true to me, all right? The wording is um, that the briefing has to include all available information, all right? Um, and notams are not available, so boom. Um, I'll, I'll find the rag here. It's, it's a current rag. It's 91.113 or something like that. Hang on yeah. a second. I mean, I think the, the the biggest issue is that the the airlines would not would never be released for IFR flight exactly. with the system well, being exactly. down. That goes without right. saying. I that, just wonder whether you know you and your one seventy two and Jeb and his debonair. You know, if, would, if I wanted to right. go, if I wanted to go shoot touch and ghost here at Hidden River, where I'm in in classy airspace. Yes, the mm-hmm. weather is fine. I'm not going anywhere near any other airspace. I'm not going anywhere near any IFR. I'm not going anywhere near. Um, a, um, um, it's ninety-one one hundred three. Uh, I'm not going anywhere near uh, a terminal or anything like that. Who cares? But anyway, here, well, here's 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 ninety-one one hundred three. Uh, piloting each piloting command shall, before beginning a flight, become familiar with all available information concerning that flight. This information must include, and then there's some some caveats about IFR. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuel requirements, alternatives um, for any flight, runway links at airports of intended use, and the following takeoff and landing distance information. And you know, we pretty much all know that if I if I'm at a based airport, I can, I'm pretty sure I can get my airplane in and out uh, of that particular airport um, without having to look up that data. Um, but the punchline here is available. Yeah. Well, if, I don't if know. It's not available. Or, <laughs> well, or if there's not a notum saying, "Hey, there's no notums." How do you how do you know this? You know, and I'm not checking right. CNN before I go fly. That's just yeah. something I, <laughs> so, know, that I do. Je, je, and I'm just a pilot. Uh, Jeb, you're the ground instructor, um, and Jr. is a full blown CFI. Right. Um, I, I guess we're going to give you guys the last word on this and then move on. Jr., anything you want to add to this? Would it have been? Yeah, well, I, I think. I think what I would say is that it's the pilot's responsibility, right? At the end of the day, that's 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 what they're going to point mm-hmm. to, and um, if if there's doubt or, or or you know let's ima- let's imagine that we have a Meg Seal situation where the, the night before the mayor had come out and carved X's on the runway, or uh, or some such, you know, it's your responsibility to know. And if the system, if the NOTAM system is down. Um, it's still your butt in the seat. So, you know, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of forgiveness if there was a problem. Right. Um, yeah. I'm not suggesting that the FAA is not going to take a dim view. Of any, of some, a, dim, a dim view. A dim view if something happens. Um, but I am suggesting that the, a strict reading of the, the, the rag, the FAR, um, should give you a leg to stand on. I don't. I don't want to have this conversation with the agency. I don't want to. I don't want to have this conversation in the hearing. Um, here, here. Um, but there's certainly an argument to be made. Interesting. Okay. Well, now the other go. thing. The other thing going on is uh, um, the air traffic control system. Again, the ATC, SSC, whatever it's called. Um, 
did put up a notice on its website um, saying that, you know, except for aeromedical and military flights, everything is grounded. Um, oh, well, yeah. Okay, but that's not the normal, it's not a normal um, uh, part of our pre-flights, at least in you know, Part 91 GA, or Piston GA. Um, we can make the ATC SSC part of our pre-flight, but it's it's not common. For for example, um, for flight doesn't give us ATC SSC data uh, when we get, ask for a full briefing. Um, where does that leave us? I don't know. I know it's a it, it it was a puzzle. I mean, it was it's it's over with now, at least for now. Yeah. Um, until next time. Apparently, um, apparently, people are motivated to. Uh, fix the thing. I don't know. This is just a mess. This is well, part of the larger mess that is, you know, the national no, airspace system, right? Well, well I, I don't know that the national airspace system is, is that much of a mess, but the NOTAM system certainly is and has been. This, we've talked about the NOTAM system for 10 plus years. We'll, we'll go back to 2010 podcast episodes and we will be talking about Senator James Inhofe and his his landing at a at a Texas airport that was a oh, runway yeah. that was Notum closed, okay. Yeah. And he he got his um, he got in a ringer, shall we say, and um, that resulted in legislation two three different bills from Inhofe over the years, talking about pilots' bill of rights and fixing the Notum yeah. system. That was folks was ten years ago, mm-hmm. more than ten years ago in some instances. Twelve twelve years ago. And yeah. we're still having this conversation. Um, the House last week passed a bill. They're calling for a task force to investigate all of this and to come up with some some new ways to distribute notums and and present them to uh, uh, pilots and, and other interested parties. Uh, and that's a great thing. It's long overdue, but it's going to be a year and a half before they even have to render a final report. And it's going to take how many more years after that before we see any meaningful change? Yeah. So I'm not holding my breath, and uh, neither should you. Yeah. Okay. Moving on here. Moving um, on. So, JR, um, we, we were teasing you last time you were in the virtual hangar about all the airplanes that you own, um, but you had a oh. kind of a scary moment recently. With uh, You didn't personally, yeah, did. but one of your airplanes had a scary moment. Um, oh, I, no, I, I had a scary moment. I promise you. What happened? <laughs> well, so I, I, what happened is a... Is a a complex question. So I'm going to answer it from my, from my perspective. I'm going to give you my perspective of what happened and what I think happened. Um, so to, to protect the to protect the innocent and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm down in L.A. with my wife, and this is on the first the first day of the of the new year. And I'm down in L.A. and my phone rings from a from a strange number. I answer it and I say, and uh, and the voice goes, Jr. Are you in your airplane? Because it just crashed. And I'm. And in my airplane is one of my airplanes is fairly well known. It's a purple and white airplane, <clears throat> and they send me a picture of the air the aircraft planted in the fe- in a field, um, with its tail sticking straight up in the sky like like one of the cars in is it Mendocino, and um, I go no no I'm down in L.A. I have no idea what's going on, and it turns out my student had taken the aircraft on a, a clear beautiful day. And she was doing exactly what I told her to do, was going out and practicing her landings. 
and it appears that she got herself a little bit too low and she clipped one of the uh, power lines that goes across the runway or across the, uh, the fence near the runway and that turned her forward kinetic energy into vertical kinetic energy and um and she crashed mm -hmm. and um first of all let's say how, how yeah, is she doing well, she she's been released from the hospital. So, um, so after she, at, well, let me just take take a minute and talk about about her, about her for just a moment. Yeah, because um, I think I think there's some interesting things about that. So when when she crashed, um, she she was wearing a four point uh, harness um, in the aircraft, which is something that that was I modified the uh, that harness when I bought the aircraft. And I believe that that four-point harness kept her in the seat and kept her alive. Because if you look at the, the the aircraft, there's no doubt in my mind she would have gotten to the yoke and and, and through the window, and, and and it would have been a mess. Um, but they, the the uh, the people who rescued her got her out of the uh, aircraft and um, put her on a on a helicopter and flew her to the local trauma center. <clears throat> and she got some broken bones. But one of the other interesting injuries she sustained. Um, and this is the one that, that I, I've known about, but I don't think people talk about, is that she was sitting in gasoline, oh, um, wow. you know, because obviously the fuel tanks were, were above her, and her clothes were soaked in gasoline. Now, the, the gasoline didn't catch fire, but the gasoline caused chemical burns on her body. Hmm. And I've had that happen to me, too. So I warn, I warn your listeners that if you ever are fooling around with gasoline, which you should never do, um, but should you do that and you get gasoline on your clothes, you have to get it away from your skin. You get to get, the, get that clothes off you uh, because it will cause pretty serious chemical burns pretty quickly. Um, and, and I was surprised when it happened to me um, in the past. So I, uh, I caution, caution your listeners. Yeah. And in any event, so she uh, she got she got caught on those wires, and the aircraft crashed. Um, and you know, when I asked her, I said, "Hey, you know, did you have a mechanical failure or or some such?" And she says, "No, I just got distracted." So, you know, it's it's an interesting question. You know, the first thing is I think to myself was, "Well, what were you doing that got you distracted that allowed you to get that low on land, on the the approach?" Uh, and not understand uh, what's happening, and I think they're still going through some of the the findings of that. Um, and you know that's that's a that's a key question. You know, how did you allow your how did you allow yourself to get too low? One of the the things that I think and is that I and I've seen this a number of different times is that students and some pilots they don't recognize what danger really looks like. That you know we we as instructors warn you say hey don't do that that's dangerous don't do this that's dangerous, but it's but it's hard to evaluate what does the what does danger really look like, and getting low or too low um, in any circumstance, you know will be dangerous and there are things of poles and and wires and whatnot um, that will you know reach up and grab you given the opportunity. I should also mention that this is the second time in my flying career that I've known of a pilot personally who's gotten caught in power lines and killed. Um, so this is not these same power lines, obviously, but but um, it's a, it's a scary thing, and it does it does happen. So you know, be careful. Mm -hmm. uh, the the know. wires that that she got hung up in are they marked? Do they have you know yellow ball? Uh, they, no, they balls don't. They don't have any balls, or <clears throat> no, they don't. Um, but they're not. These are not high tension lines. These are domestic power lines. You know. Yeah. And I, I want to say that my my PG News and friend that they were sixty feet, but you know they were these are normal power lines. Nothing nothing strange yeah. now why string them across the the, the end of the runway uh, i don't know but you know they're not they're not right at the threshold they're you know they're the watsonville has a displaced threshold and then there's a fence 
and there's you know there's sure there's a pretty su- substantial amount of space. Yeah. But um, just to finish the thought, she's yeah. out of the hospital, and uh... she's out of the hospital. Um, as I said, I, I she broke broke some bones, um, but but the seatbelts kept her in the seat, and I, I think the worst part were the chemical burns, and the chemical burns are on she's on the mend, and we wish her very well. Um, I think the the entire uh, community here at Watsonville has been been rooting for her and um, I'm just glad that she's alive um, un- unlike the last tragedy we had which was which was fatal this yeah. one yeah um, I would imagine yeah. that the airplane is done yes the airplane has made its its final trip from um, the airport to its final resting place the recycling center at the local dump and it is being turned into uh, beer cans for future consumption. I was just going to say, speak. were you drinking beer out of that airplane? In, in, I, I, you months? probably will be. I, I went, I went through the airplane and I uh, salvaged every useful part that I could find off of it, and um, and I have a couple of bins full of uh, let's call them bin, bit, bit, bits and bobs. But uh, the aircraft has been removed. Uh, and, and, and okay, only a fun, funny, funny side story. So uh, the uh, the aircraft, uh, the, the, I took the wings off the aircraft because obviously it was never going to fly again. And I come back a day later, and one of the wings had flown itself about ten feet <laughs> um, from where from where I put it to where it decided to stop. <clears throat> and I and I <laughs> thought to myself, oh, I better get rid of these before they end up in one of my other aircraft. So it was it was interesting how. Uh, how big a wing is, but also how light it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, it doesn't, doesn't take a lot to make that thing start to float away. Yeah. Yeah. Fun little story. Well, that's too bad. It's always, I mean, I'm glad the woman is okay. Yeah, it's also, also kind of sad to lose another airplane, but that's the way it, these things it happen. Is. But, you know, every, every airplane that's lost, you know, we save, we save what we can save and they'll go to feed the, the next generation of yeah. airplanes. Keep them Some must air. die so that others may live. <laughs> Something like uh. that. So now, so what now, Jerry? You, you only own like 23 airplanes now, right? Oh, yeah. Well, let's see. I'm down, I think I'm down to five. I think I sold one. So I think I'm down to five. You, you, now, think, I got, you think you sold one? Well, I, you know, I've sold one, but I haven't gotten paid for it. So what do you what do you call that? I, you're, you're right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think, you're right. Like, think I sold it. Maybe, maybe wouldn't be nice. Maybe uh, I, I certainly sold one to the insurance company, so that that was one. And then I think I sold another one. And uh, so the the I have another 172, and the parts that I needed to finish that 172 have been conveniently donated from a recent donor. Um, mm-hmm. So now I need to get myself refocused and finish this airplane that's been sitting in my hangar for a goodly number of months while I've been distracted with many other aviation activities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah good luck. Yeah. yeah, and I'm, yeah. <laughs> Thank now, you. I, no, I appreciate it. The, the, um, the accident pilot, has she indicated whether or not she'll keep flying? Um, <clears throat> we've, we've talked about it a little bit and, um, it's that, that, that's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. I, how do I, I, you know, this is, this, it's a tough thing. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot. I've, I've had a, a rather extensive conversation with a local three, three letter agency. And, uh, they, they are of the opinion <clears throat> that some pilots should, should just hang up their wings and never fly again. And I think that's a, there is a place for that. And I don't disagree with it wholeheartedly, but the other side of the coin is, is that the, the people who are not going to become professional airline pilots or work in aviation for a living are in a, are in a journey of, of hope and joy. And 
you know, a lot of aviation, a lot of people that I see at the airport do this because they love to do it and they want to do it. Um, and even even our good friend Dave, you know, uh, I, I remember having many conversations with him about the fact that he was building the airplane and he was going to go do it again. And and there's a part of me who says, who am I to deny the joy of flight to somebody? And that's a tough thing. It's a tough line to find and i and i'm searching for it in my in my soul as to what's the right thing or the wrong thing mm-hmm. um and i don't have a good answer today yeah. I, and i'm not sure that i ever will have a good answer yeah no i, I completely understand that's the most thoughtful answer to that question i've yeah. heard in a long time thank you jr appreciate your sharing well, that with us yeah well I, I and you know i think that it's it's you you have to decide what you want from your own life and mm-hmm. and you know there's considerations to the community and there's a lot of pieces to it. It's it's not a simple it's not a simple equation, and I'm trying to figure out how to square that circle. Anyway, well, I mean, how about something? How yeah, about something light? Yeah, that's, I'll, I'll just simply say this: um, it's not the least bit uncommon for student pilots yeah. to have a mishap. Yeah, right. And you know how yeah. they respond to that is is kind of a I would say where the rubber meets the road kind of thing. But how they respond to that mishap, they're going to have a lot of other mishaps in life generally. Um, yep. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not a simple answer. It's not. A, it's a hard. It's a hard problem. And mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't have a good answer. Thank you. Another scary. Another really scary incident happened at New York's JFK Airport um, uh, about a week or so ago. I guess what would the date it's be? Been on a this? couple of weeks. Fifteenth. So it'd be about yeah. Yeah, almost two weeks ago. Um, two airliners um, taxiing, and actually one was just about to take off. Uh, basically, um, uh, um, one airplane was about to, uh, had actually been cleared for takeoff just as another one taxied right out across its runway. Um, and uh, um, qu- quite a quite an incident. Um, have either of you kind of looked at this at all, can, can describe it better than I just did? Um, what happened? I, I can try. Um, so, JFK. Um weekday morning i guess it was um on the uh north side of the airport a um american airlines triple seven was cleared to taxi uh to uh runway four left uh and i presume goes counterclockwise from its its position its gate uh, around on uh, taxiway bravo when you get to um the, the taxi clearance was Runway four left, um, via Bravo, holds short of, of uh, something or other. Whatever that crossing. Yeah, whatever is. that. Whatever that. Well, yeah, it's no, not the, a, the no, pilot was given hold, permission hold, to cross. Hold, hold short of a taxiway, I believe it was. Um, maybe not. I don't remember. Um, but the, the, uh, the upshot is that they made the wrong turn and yeah. start and, and actually crossed the active runway. Yeah, they they they're supposed to hold short of Kilo, I believe. And Kilo, I'm sorry, Bravo turns into Kilo at a certain position associated with four left. Uh-huh. Um, they held. Sh- they they came to that intersection, stopped, and then were cleared um, to continue taxiing. And instead of turning right and paralleling four left, they jogged left um, because of the way the taxiways are designed. They jogged left and then right yeah. and headed straight across four left. 
at just the same moment as another aircraft mm-hmm. was cleared to take yeah. off on that runway. It was a Delta 737 had been cleared to take off. And the other thing that went on here is the the American Trip 7 was still on ground control. The Delta 73 was on tower. Yeah. And the ground controller made a radio transmission of like, hold your position, hold your position. The tower controller said basically the same thing to the, to the Delta 73, abort your takeoff, uh, clearance canceled. Or something like that. No, there's a term. There's a particular term for it. What is it? It's an interesting um, thing. Um, re- well, reject or um, no? That's what the that's what the uh, um, that's what the Delta crew said in response. Uh, and I, I I did something on this for the March issue of, of Aviation Safety, but the punchline was the only response, the only immediate response from the Delta Seven Three was rejecting. And they said it in this kind of um, another day at the office, laconic, um, got the right stuff dialed up to 11 fashion. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they were, in fact, the, seven, the Delta 7-3 crew are the only people who have clean noses in this whole thing. Yeah, the the aircraft that was trying to take off. Right. Um, yeah, they, and they did. They really, really, you applied their training well at that yeah. moment um, because they managed to stop that airplane in in just enough time. Um, just enough time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they didn't actually enter. Apparently, the, the, I guess the way it played out, um, the uh, the intruding airplane would have crossed the runway in time anyways, but it would have been really close. Um, but nevertheless, the taking off aircraft managed to stop in time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and now I, I, some, everybody's, yeah, everybody's talking on ATC and going, you know, what's going on here? What's it, you know, uh, the, the, the part I found amusing, if anything could be called amusing in this whole thing, um, is that, uh, the you know, ATC is asking the air, these these aircraft now. What do you want to do now? You know, um, and the aircraft that it was about to take it was was that rejected that had was trying to take off um, was going like, well, you know, we're going to need to taxi back. We're going to need to make some telephone calls. He said, which I thought was, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, he's going to have to make some phone calls. Um, they apparently didn't. That airplane didn't. From what I read, that airplane did not successfully leave JFA, JFK for about six or eight hours later, uh, presumably because it had to get all kinds of checks um, because they applied some hard brakes and, and I don't know what else. Um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the aircraft that crossed the runway improperly um, apparently took off about a half an hour later, um, presumably with its same crew. But we don't know that for sure. I, I would be surprised about that. Uh, the only reason, so would I, except I have a hard time imagining they scared up another international crew in a half an hour. Well, the, I believe that Trip 7 uh, is going to have a, at least for that route, this, this Trip 7 was headed to Heathrow. And I don't know you know, what, what the rest of their day, or the earlier parts of their day had been, but there might be a, a flight duty time thing in there. There was a, I'm told reliably by you know whatever sources I used, um, that uh, there was a third pilot on the flight deck of the trip center. I heard that as well. Yeah. Which makes it, by the way, even more surprising that no one heard that they were, no one kind of tumbled to the fact that they were following the directions wrong. Um, you know. But, well, well go, and, and taxing to a place where there are another aircraft. Yeah. Yeah. Crossing a, run, crossing a runway at JFK. Uh, but. But also, if you go back and start, you know, 
the, the full set of, of transmissions, ground control to this, this Trip 7. Um, I won't say that they cut corners, but um, they kind of cut some corners. Yeah. On, on transmitting and reading back and, and things like this, both ground and the, and the flight crew. So, yeah. as I say, I mean, the, the only people who, who, who come out smelling like roses here are the Delta crew. Yeah, and they did a great job. They did a great job of uh, saving a whole lot of lives that morning. So, yeah, Jack, and I think the key thing is is that, you know, when there is an emergency stop like that, I'm sure that there's a procedure for checking the aircraft. Oh, yeah. For, you know, tire, tire condition, brake, yeah, brake yeah, uh, yeah. heat, all that kind of yeah, stuff. So yeah. I'm not surprised at all. That they uh, they said, hey, we're going to need to figure this out. Cause yeah. it's, it's a I'm sure it's a complex um, chain of events that then followed. I did. And, um, and, yeah, yeah, and, and the captain's not going to make that decision. No, nope, 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 nope. We're going to go back to the well, gate, and, that's, and we're, and we're going to let maintenance look at this. And that's we're exactly what they, that's exactly why his comment about we're going to have to make a phone call. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like you know, not on me. I, I got to talk to somebody here because something this just happened, and uh, this is going to be a big deal. Um, is is what went through my mind uh, that might have been what was going through his mind or her mind, their minds. Um, Anyways, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, no doubt. No yeah. doubt this is a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Runway incursions, it's a big, big deal. I thought we had made some progress along these lines, but... Well, you know, we have. Uh, you know, on one level, despite all the mistakes that were apparently made here, the system did work. There were there were two sets of eyes that, that caught this. One on the ground control frequency, one on the tower frequency. Uh, and they, you know, acted appropriately. Um... In that vein, the system did work. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Another thing, by the way, that was kind of notable, if not amusing, about this was that apparently there was some cursing on the radio that morning. Um, if you look at the transcripts, there are uh, there were a couple of lines in the transcript that were were uh, translated to various punctuation marks. And, uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Um, and, and it was the ATC. You would have thought like the yeah. the, the the Delta crew. Well, but you know, like I said, the Delta crew were in Top Gun mode. You know, they were in they were in right stuff mode and doing their thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite an incident. And it's just like I mean, I can only imagine how difficult it is to taxi at an airport like JFK. On the other hand, these people do it all the time, and they're highly trained. So, oh uh, well. Um, we'll learn more as as the investigation yeah. goes on um, about what happened and what might have been done differently. But uh, thank goodness it it didn't turn out to be tragic. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that before we move on? No. Okay. What's next? Um, so the new unleaded Avgas, um, the STCs, became available just in the last few days. Um, and uh, uh, although the fuel itself is only very limited available, as, as I understand it, um, you you can now uh, get the S- you can now purchase the STC, receive the paperwork, and ultimately receive all the placards and stuff to put G one hundred UL um, in in your aircraft. Um, have either of you looked into what this STC is going to involve or cost for your airplane or airplanes? I did at your request. Oh, okay. Um, and and so, how much? What is what is it going to cost for my airplane? Yeah, uh, five hundred ninety dollars delivered. This is the STC with its all its paperwork and placards. All the, pa- all the paperwork, all the placards. Uh, yes. And what will that get you? That will get you that it will, it will be legal for you to put G one hundred UL into your tanks. Basically. Exactly. 
Yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. Do, do you consider that to be a, a reasonable price? Is that what, How do you feel about $590? I'd much rather pay $90. Yeah. Or, or you know, have it be free. Sure. $590 um, is roughly what it would cost to fill all the tanks on my airplane if they, and, if, if they were completely the, empty. The part that the part that I'm struggling with this is they're not modifying the aircraft in any way other than maybe putting this, a sticker on this it. This is paperwork and and placards. This is yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I mean, and I and we've had Swift here at Watsonville, and I believe Swift is is it ninety dollars for Swift? I heard a hundred, but you know, I I, yeah. haven't, I haven't looked into it in in, in depth. Five hundred and ninety dollars, and I think you get a hundred dollar discount for what I was reading in the uh, in the the link that Jack posted. It seems like an awful lot of money to, for the privilege of buying their gas from them. I won't disagree. Mm-hmm. Jared, did you by any chance see what it would cost? And that's what the press release said. By the Jeb, Jeb referenced the the idea that it would be equivalent to one fill up of of your aircraft's tanks. Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah. Um, Jr. Did you I, have? A, I did not. You did not. Yeah, I'm, um, did not. I'm sorry. And Jeb, did you just check the price, or you didn't actually purchase the SDC? I did not purchase it. No, um, in part because even according to GAMI, um, G100 UL is not going to be available in Florida for some time to come. Yeah, um, the hundred dollar rebate, as I understand it, was um, they were urging people to buy the STC now, and so the idea was that if you buy the STC before a certain date. Um, when you do buy gas, you'll get a hundred dollar rebate or something like exactly, that. Exactly. Um, exactly. There was also another rebate in the event that you changed out your engine or something like that. It was basically there's no need. There will not be a need to purchase another STC if you change your engine. Yeah. If you put a different engine in the aircraft yeah. for the next ten years. Right. So, um, anyways. So, you know, um, I've got the same engine um, in my airplane right now that I've had that was in the airplane when I bought it more than 20 years ago. It's been overhauled twice, but it's still the same engine. Mm-hmm. And that would not, I would not need to buy another uh, copy of the STC. Right. Um, in the press release, Gammy said that they're expecting the fuel to start becoming available in California in, over the next year and other West Coast areas soon after that and then gradually across the country. Mm-hmm. JR, that means that you are likely to have an opportunity to use this first. How do you feel about this? Yeah. Um with your twenty-three airplanes, that's a lot of yeah, that's a lot yeah. of five hundred and ninety dollars. <laughs> is you know, it, it, it sure is. I think what I would tell you. So California's got some funny rules, and one of the funny rules is that in California you're not allowed to buy an un, uh, unleaded automotive gas that doesn't contain ethanol. And um, as you may say, or may that, not say know, that again, you cannot buy gasoline in California from the auto the auto auto gas that doesn't contain ethanol. You can't buy ethanol-free gas for like your lawnmower or your you race car. Your race car. Um, you the cannot, only place I've ever seen it for sold is at Home Depot. You can buy it in a one-liter can or a one, you know, a small, a small, really small can. But yeah, but you, all the other gas, all the other gasoline in California has ethanol in it, um, and ethanol has a couple of 
undesirable characteristics, um, especially yeah. for aviation. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it it attacks the rubber in the aircraft, in the in the in the various hoses and carburetor and whatnot. It also uh, ethanol is hydroscopic, and that means that it absorbs and holds water. So gasoline that sits for a long time will have a tendency to have water entrapped in it. Right. Um, so, oh, and then also the ethanol will damage the windows of aircraft if, if it touches them. So you get all these negative consequences. But, you know, for years, the, the Purple Lady had an STC to run motor gas in, in, her, in her aircraft. Anyway, so long long version of the story. I'm, I'm coming to the point. So I'm sorry, but let me stop what, you for a second. The Purple Lady, the, uh, the the airplane that recently crashed. Okay, yeah. all right, go ahead. All right. So she she had an SCC to run to run MoGas. Uh, strange enough, sold by EAA. Anyway, so um, all of that basically means that that we lost the ability to buy unleaded or unleaded gas, 91 octane gas from local sources. Um, when when Swift came into our market, so Swift Fuel, which is, I, I believe, a competitor to the Gammy Fuel, is sold here at Watsonville. It has to be trucked in from another state, mm-hmm. which which adds dramatically to the cost, right? Is so Swift they, available it, at Watsonville? It is. It is, oh, yeah. Okay, all right. And, and in fact, in fact it's, it's actually getting... Yeah, so I, I, I believe that it's available at Watsonville, Reed Hillview, and San... Santa Clara, San Carlos, San Carlos. San Carlos. I think so. I think those are the three. It, it I the, don't. I haven't bought it from those three places, but those are the three places I've heard that it was being that it was being you, sold at. Off the top of your head, do you happen to know what the relative price per gallon is for Swift versus yeah. hundred low lead? Yeah, like, this is a good question. I do. I do know um, here at Watsonville because I just happened to look at it this morning. Um, the problem. The problem with the answer is. <laughs> Aviation fuel is priced differently than gasoline than car gasoline fuel. So when you go to a to a gas pump, Seven um, Eleven uh, or an Arco or whatnot, and you buy gas, you know the price is changes every day. They might change three or four times a day, depending on the mar- on the daily spot price of the of the market. Generally speaking, in aviation, the price of the gas is set when the delivery is taken. Mm-hmm. So if the the price of gas goes up. You know, for, if, if you take a delivery on the first and the price goes up on the thirty-first, you pay the lower price until the next time the delivery is taken. Mm-hmm. So, in Watsonville here, we have a strange situation where the uh, the price of hundred low lead has gone down because the price has gone down. So it's about five dollars and forty-five cents a gallon here, and the Swift fuel, because we don't burn as much of it, hasn't taken the delivery in a long time. So the Swift fuel seven dollars and twenty five cents or seven seven something. Um, so it's 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 almost two dollars a gallon more. But I don't believe that's reflective that that the that the fuel is generally that much more expensive. I believe that it's that when the Swift fuel was delivered, the hundred low lead was at eight dollars a gallon, and and subsequently it's gone down over time. Mm-hmm. But we just haven't taken delivery delivery right. of Swift. Okay. So I expect okay. it to come back down. I'm sorry. Did I interrupt you? Did you finish your your big thought? You were the, the, just the whole story about whether you are you going yeah, to are you going to buy the STC for even one of your airplanes at some point? Um, that's a very good question. It adds for so for 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 me, it adds a lot of complexity because then I would have to have two different fuel streams: ones that could accept the uh, well. Let's see. Let me back up. The hundred, the, the G one hundred is a direct replacement for hundred low lead. So it's it's a it's a straight across 
replacement. Right. And I do not believe the Swift is. I believe the Swift only works on low compression motors. Um, I, think so, yeah. I think you're right about right. that. Yeah. Right. So the problem that I've had with Swift and the reason that I've not adopted Swift is that um, I have a, a combination of aircraft that use both high compression and low compression motors. <clears throat> and I have systems in place to allow me to fuel those aircrafts. So I don't have the ability to have multiple fuel streams run through those systems as they're designed today. So I had not in, enjoyed the opportunity of the Swift fuel uh, because I don't want to cross-contaminate those two fuel streams. Now, would I switch completely over to 100 UL and pay $500 per aircraft? Uh, I, I, I might. I mean, there's an environmental uh, advantage, and I can see that. Um, what I would want to see is that the that I, I would really would want to see the G100 UL fuel displace the 100 low lead fuel in its entirety, and then I think I'd be more serious about it. Um, but it, it's a complex issue, especially for a business. And it's 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 not as simple as I want it to feel good. It, it has to be economically viable, and five hundred and something bucks per aircraft is is awful expensive without a compelling reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, Do you have any final thoughts on this? No, I don't disagree at all with with Jr. Um, one one note would be that, um, as I recall, let me just let's look here real quick. Um, yeah, I don't see that. I don't see the page I'm looking for. But anyway, the punchline is um, there's a flat rate, flat price for the airframe. It's like 50 bucks for, for G100 UL. Um, and then the, uh, the the STC for the engine uh, is priced according to the horsepower of the engine. And they have a fairly elaborate um, lookup table on their website you type in the, the or scroll down and pick the, uh, the manufacturer, uh, and then you scroll down and pick the um, the specific engine, and that alone right there determines the price of the engine portion of the STC. There's two STCs required: one for the airframe, uh, one for the engine. Uh, the one for the airframe, of course, is because the airframe wasn't certificated and it still needs placards uh, on the on the fuel filler. Uh, wasn't certificated for unleaded fuel, wasn't certificated for anything other than 100 low lead or or Mm -hmm. its replacements or whatever it was. Um, So being that it's horsepower-based or displacement-based, yeah, I kind of sort of get where the 590 comes from. I've got one of the more powerful, bigger bore engines in the fleet. Um, That said... I'm still just a, an individual. I'm not using the airplane for money. I'm not using it. I don't have a, a rental fleet like Jr. does. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, it's all it's all coming out of my pocket without any any offset. So yeah, it, it requires some additional thought. Uh, I would love to be in the in the position, and that basically means you know California, be in the position to to uh, top off with G100 UL. Um, that doesn't seem to be in the cards right now, at least as far as Florida is concerned. Yeah, so so the, the thing that strikes me is that um, they're, they're already going to charge you a 60 to 85% premium over 100 low lead, according to the website that I'm looking at here. Yes, not percent, um, but cent. I'm, cent, cent. I'm sorry, cent, cent premium, forgive me. Um, 
so you're already paying a premium for the for the fuel, and they're not going to sell a drop of this without the STC for every aircraft. Right. Um, I think that you know the truth is is that I think that that this is a, a chance. I, my my assessment is that they're trying to fund this opportunity by having the pilots basically pay, pay the costs. Um, but but what I would see ultimately, the, the really the only way for this to succeed is for them to have this fuel that they're producing meet the mill spec um, of the 100 low lead and therefore be, be allowed to be used as a direct replacement by the FAA. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only way forward. So the STC, as long as it's, they're going to rely on STC, I think it's going to be a very hard row. Well, the other thing going on too is that's all well and good until the supply of 100 low lead dries up, which it could well do, perhaps in California first. Mm, possibly. I, I mean, I think the, 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 the issue with supply is more that the, that the manufacturers are going to have a hard time getting tetralethyl lead as opposed to a state banning it. Yes, I don't that's, disagree. That's the, right. Yeah, the, well, yeah, the, the, it's, the, 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 it could be either of these. Um, you know, keep in mind, 100 low lead has dried up and disappeared at, at Reed Hillview, right? You can't get hundred low lead at Reed Hill. Is that changed, Jr? Have you paid attention? To I, that? I I haven't been there. I, I know that they sell Swift, so that may be their their solution. Um, and yeah. maybe San Carlos some- as well. But there were a couple of those Santa Clara airports that uh, that uh, I, for some reason I want to say Palo Alto was excluded. But but you I, know. I I haven't heard I haven't heard that they got rid of hundred low lead at Reed Hillview. I know that the Civil Air Patrol operates an aircraft out of there that would require it. So. I don't know that to be factual. Maybe they I, I just don't know. Anyways, yeah. uh, I just want to drop in one final thought here, and that is, uh, in Gammy's defense, um, you know, as far as to the extent that this is an expensive STC, um, Gammy invested a lot of money in yeah. trying to figure this they thing did. out o- over did. a long yeah. period of time with basically no support from anybody else. You know, and in fact, towards the end, a, a lot of pushback from from outsiders for unknown, well, unpublicized reasons. Um, and Gammy hung in there, and Gammy created this thing that in the long run is an improvement, is good for us. Um, and so I don't know whether this is too much for the STC, but the STC is definitely, it's, I, think it's, I think it's reasonable for Gammy to get a return on yeah, everything I, they put I, into this. I, I absolutely I, I agree. Do. I, I agree. They, they, they invested this, you know, I guess where I would, where I would come out of this is that, look, you guys invested on creating this fuel. Good. Why don't you sell every drop of it you can and make a, make a few cents on every sale, yeah. um, which, which is and, going to be, you know, I think yeah, they're, and they're gonna, it has they're, to be. and they're gonna, yeah. but they've chosen a different model and, you know, for better or worse, this is the way they're going. And, uh, well, I don't think, okay. I don't think they can just yet, but I, I think yeah. the, I think the SDC model is, is the only way for them to prove that this, that this fuel is safe in the fleet, you know, in some, you know, let's call it a limited experiment or limited controlled experiment um, as it, as it spreads. Yeah. So I, yeah. I understand what they're okay. doing and it's, okay. it's reasonable. Anyway, so, all right. <sighs> kind of interesting. You know, well, the, the only other thing I'd point out is that for one of JR's 172s or whatever it is you're flying, you're not going to have to pay $590. It's going to be some other lower price because the power output of the engine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's engine. It's yeah. it's roughly speaking, engine size but, is what but, I'm hearing. From but my three ten right? is going to be more than five hundred dollars. 
Yeah. Yes, it will. Yep. Yes, it will. Yeah. It'll be less than a grand, but it'll be yeah. still. Yeah. Right. Pay for your thrills, Jr. You pay for your thrills. Oh, I know. Right. Ain't, ain't no yeah. one ride for free. And you know, while we're you know kind of comparing apples and oranges and, and peaches, um, every time I go to renew my Garmin um, data subscription mm-hmm. for the magic <laughs> in my panel, it's another twenty-five <laughs> to fifty bucks uh, year to year. Uh, and right now, it's it's bumping right up against five hundred and ninety dollars. Yeah, okay. so that's an interesting yeah. comparison. Just, just yeah, saying, yeah. just yeah. saying. Yeah, okay. Uh, no one ever said this was cheap. This activity no. was right. cheap. There we go. Yeah, that's true. Well, thank you guys. Uh, it's always fun to get together uh, here in the virtual hangar. I really appreciate it. Glad you took some time, Jr. I know it was a little bit of a hardship. It's it's one. It's nice Saturday afternoon for Jeb and I, but for you, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. And well, uh, I, I had to, I had to get up way before noon. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? So uh, no, you had to leave your family behind on a nice Saturday afternoon. And we appreciate that. Thank you very much, Jr. Wormkessel. Jr. is a uh, high time private pilot. He's rated to fly single engine, multi engine, and He's got commercial ratings for each of these. He's also a CFII for like all of these. So uh, uh, he's the guy. So, so some people say I'm a commercial pilot. Uh, he's also <laughs> he's also uh, uh, an A and P mechanic with inspector privileges. Um, Jr. Is there someplace on the internet where uh, you and your work can be found? Are you on? I, I I keep hiding and Google keeps finding me. And if you want to find me, I suggest checking Google. I'm sure I'm around okay. somewhere. Right. Uh, although although let me just pitch one thing before I before I let you go is I did have an article that I was graciously published in Aviation Safety in November yeah. uh, talking about the crash here at Watsonville and uh, if anyone's interested in my thoughts on the matter, I encourage you to pick up a local copy of Aviation Safety from your local yeah. newsstand. Easier said than done but yeah, but yeah, if you have access to Aviation Safety, you should check it out for sure. Absolutely. For sure. And if and, you don't, why don't you? Yeah, I know, really. Uh, you could. And that's yes. Jeb Burnside. Jeb is a freelance aviation writer and editor serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Oh, what a coinky-dink. Yeah. Uh, he's also a regular contributor to other aviation publications. Online, you can find Jeb's work at aviationsafetymagazine.com. His magazine is on Twitter as avsafetymag. You can also find Jeb and his work at aea.net, avweb.com. On Mastodon, he's burnsidej at mytransponder.com. And on Twitter, he's simply burnsidej. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online in most places with the all-one-word all username, Jack Hodgson. For example, Twitter, Jack Hodgson. YouTube, Jack Hodgson. Patreon, Jack Hodgson. On Mastodon, I'm Jack Hodgson at mytransponder.com. You can find my ebooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the Books section. And thank you, folks, for taking the time to listen. If possible, please become a supporter of this podcast at patreon.com slash uncontrolledairspace, where you can also make a PayPal tip jar donation, care of the email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big, big help. We appreciate everyone who helps us out that way. And we love to hear from you, so you can also use that same email address, podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. Send us your comments and questions. And anyways, that's enough talking. Let's go flying. 